What is up, everybody? My name is Juan Perez, and welcome to The First View. Our podcast was created for one reason, to be a platform for people of color to share their journeys through their stories. These individuals have had to overcome obstacles and are striving to be successful. Our goal is simple, to inspire and motivate people of color everywhere to accomplish anything they want. We want to share stories that you can relate to, while also learning through their experiences and perspectives. Thank you for supporting our podcast and people of color everywhere. Maritza Lopez is a proud first-generation woman of color who shares her story of adversity on today's episode of The First Few. Like many students, she was able to successfully transfer from a community college to a four-year college, but not without a number of challenges from starting with a 1.0 GPA in community college and experiencing homelessness to graduating with a double major in art history and African-American studies from UCLA, Maritza's story is truly an inspiring example of not letting rejection stop you. What's up everyone? I'm here with Maritza Lopez, who I actually was able to meet through LinkedIn and I'm very excited for her to be here today. How are you today, Maritza? Good, good. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, of course. Um, I've actually been able to read some of your story through articles. So I just want to jump right in because I, I think that you have like this long, incredible journey that people have to hear and will take a lot of inspiration from. So can you start us off with that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so first of all, I'd like to thank Juan for, you know, creating this podcast. For sure, LinkedIn is a really great space for people to interact and get to know other people. I was surprised by checking out this um, podcast he's creating. So I really want to, you know, um, elevate his work and appreciate the thing he's doing to other members who want to pursue higher education. So what's up, everyone? <laughs> my name is Maritza Lopez, or you can call me Ritz. It's an easier way to say my name. I am currently a student at UCLA, um, senior year. But before I tap into there, I wanted to share with you like the beginning of my journey on where it led me to be. Um, in high school, as any other kid who's first gen, um, is confused and doesn't really know what's going on. I was seeing all my friends applying to colleges. I had a good GPA. I was an honor roll. And I was like, oh, let me just go, go with the flow. Everyone's applying, so I should apply too. I got involved with a couple after school programs, such as Kid City Hope Place around downtown, YMCA Ketchum, um, Teen Lead Center that helps students apply also get a cheap membership. I was just hanging out with my friends, cruising around. Um, at the end, I got accepted to one UC and one Cal State. It was far away from home. I wasn't really sure if I wanted to go or not. There was a lot of things happening at home, a lot of things happening with my personal life um, at school. So uh, I decided to go to community college route. I live literally across the street from Los Angeles City College, but I decided to commute an hour and a half to go to Santa Monica College. Um, I thought it was worth it, and it definitely was. I had fun. It was a whole different community for me, different experience. But my first year at Santa Monica College, I had a 1.0 GPA. Um, mentally, I wasn't there. I had um, siblings who were going through a lot, um, thanks to them. I was able to pursue higher education. Um, on my second year at community college, my family and I were homeless. 
So we all kind of scattered and we live in different places. Um, I was very fortunate enough to have a home. I lived in a shelter not so far from Santa Monica. And even still living through a shelter, I decided to pursue higher education. Um, I didn't really know when this cycle of working continuously, paycheck to paycheck was going to end. And I noticed a lot of my mentors who I met through Kid City or the YMCA, they had so much to talk about school. So I was like, if they are able to sustain themselves uh, financially through pursuing higher education, that's something I want for myself. And yeah, through my journey there, living in the shelter, I submitted my college apps to transfer to four-year universities. I applied to nine schools. I got accepted to seven out of the nine. And I was happy, but for sure UCLA was one I had in my mind for a while. I got in as an art history major and I love it. Um, and the reason why I decided to do art history was mainly because um, we hear a lot of our stories, or I can say me specifically, coming from an indigenous group. Uh, my mom's from Zapotec, um, up in Oaxaca. So it's kind of questioning who tells our stories, who writes our stories. Um, I'll read more into these scholarly articles about um, the Latinx community or Mexican Americans. And I'll see a different name who's writing these scholarly articles. Um, and you know that's the beauty of it, of people are intrigued and interested of people who look like us, want to learn from us. So it's would only be best if people who look like us write about us. And that's that's how I decided to do art history. And now, still at UCLA, I decided to take an extra year. So this will be my fifth year in college, um, double majoring in African American studies and art history. There's a lot to unpack when you say your story in sh such short time. The first question I have is, what were some of the feelings you, that you were experiencing as you went alongside this journey? Um, so I create three little boxes in my head. It's like everything at home stays at home, everything at work stays at work, and everything at school stays at school. Um, it becomes very difficult. A lot of it's self-care and mental health. Um, you have to really focus on what you're doing at the moment. If you smush the boxes through together or they all get wet, you're, it's hard for you to pick, pick it back up and organize it together. And uh, at one moment in my time, I, I couldn't. I wanted just to like, you know, wanted to make fast money and I was trying to figure out ways either um, working without my social, under the table kind of job. Um, at one point I did, but the more I got involved on campus, I started seeking all these opportunities, all these scholarship, like all these grants, all this money. And I was like, all this helps me cut back from working hours. And I loved it. And I, I never thought of that because um, yeah, like my family and I, we had a, attend court um, for being evicted or attend court because one of my brother is currently incarcerated um, and then attend court for all these like it's so much attending court that I was kind of just like so drained I was just like all right you know at school I have to try to just smile make the best out of it 
when I'm home, I get my life together. When I'm work, just focus on the people, like customer service vibe. Um, there's no real answer to it, but I definitely just want to emphasize, um, you know, taking care, taking care of yourself and like putting a step back or learning how to organize yourself mentally um, in different spaces. So taking a step back before we move on forward, can you talk to us a little bit more about your childhood maybe and where your parents came from? So others that kind of resonate with that can can speak to that? Yeah, for sure. My mom comes from a, so I'm Mexican and Salvi. I uh, was born here in the States. My mom is from San Pedro Cajonos, which is up in Oaxaca, uh, close by like these mountains we call Monte Alban. Um, it's an indigenous group of individuals up in San Pedro Cajonos that speak Zapoteco. Uh, my father is from El Salvador or the city in San Salvador. And he, uh, they both came down here for different reasons. One for sure was finance. Uh, my father came down here because of the civil, civil war that was happening in Salvador. So um, he, they both came here at a very young age. They met here in the States. And um, now it's five of us <laughs> who are here. How was it growing up more so? Um, you said you were from LA. Mm -hmm. um, how was it growing up in LA? I, I, I wanna hear a little bit more about where that story came from and kind of like how your mindset was nurtured because I know that it wasn't just like automatically there. It was kind of something that you learned. Yeah. that's. You know, that's a very interesting question, just because I'm just like, we hear that born and raised in L.A. all the time. And I was like, yeah, I'm born and raised in L.A. And there's some people um, come in saying like, oh, that's so cool to say. And I was like, you know, you can say that with anywhere. Born and raised in Oakland, born and raised in like, I don't know, Texas or like New York. Um, but L.A. vibes. Um, I don't know. I think it depends on the community you come from. Um, there's people who come from East LA or like Boyle Heights, East Hollywood, West Hollywood, Silver Lake, Echo Park. Uh, where I hung out the most or where I grew up was around like um, Silver Lake, Echo Park, East Hollywood area. So for sure, um, I can say born and raised in LA, but it's a completely different spectrum from anyone else who mentions a different community. So yeah, my community, when I was growing up, it was different. Um, here and there, there were very few like gang affiliated groups that would come to my middle school and like, there was gonna be fights on campus. Uh, but it was such a normal thing, like where I was just like, oh, all right, like, you know, we're all jumping over the fence, this and that. It's like, all right, no one's hurting themselves. Um, but I know it was a different experience for my little sister. Um, there, it became like a, well, my middle school, my siblings, we went to the same middle school. Now it's like a, a magnet school and we're just like oh dang like it's so wide but I mean I'm, I'm glad that my sister's accessing all these like um, resources but that kind of you know it question it makes you question a lot like when I was there who was a community present and how is it that we didn't have these resources so it's a good thinker good way to pause and like think about it hearing a little bit more about that it sounds like you obviously had like a, a childhood where you had to like watch out for things or you just had to like be aware of your community around you to like stay safe. Um, and do you think that affected you in terms of the journey you explained to us earlier? Like how did it maybe like strengthen you or how much 
or what did it do to help you kind of persevere? Because what you went through was something that's hard and not a lot of people go through, but not a lot of people can finish. But yeah, we can definitely, well, I can definitely say, um, I think it empowered me. It made me a little stronger. Um, and, you know, I don't, I didn't realize that as, as I was a kid uh, until I became an adult that I didn't know I grew up poor or I didn't know I grew up, uh, poor is such a heavy word too. Um, it's hard to even analyze it as an adult. Um, I would like to say financially unstable. Um, I didn't really understand what that was until like now that I'm making my own money, paying my rent. Uh, I'm just like, dang. So my family and I were like in midlife crisis where we're barely making our rent, paying our food, um, getting clothes or a ways to like, you know, public transportation, just getting one place to another. So I think, you know, you hear this word a lot, like hustle, you know, we hella hustled, we learned how to hustle, we learned how to, you know, take advantage of resources that were there for us uh, so we can use, uh, we were able to, whatever we were given, you know, um, make the most out of it. But I think a lot, a huge advantage I really want to emphasize is because my siblings and I were born here in the States. And I really want to, you know, check my privilege too. Um, because if I wasn't born here in the States, there were certain services my parents and I were able to access because of that. Um, and I can't say that for everyone because it's not easy. It's not easy on everyone. So it's definitely a case by case kind of thing. So that's what it helped me overcome. When you were going through that journey um, and persevering through it, what was like your motivation or your inspiration um, that you were going towards? Did you have one? And if so, can you explain a little bit more about what that was? Uh, so my motivation or like my perseverance, um, my biggest motivation, or I think more so like my biggest happiness was just being in class. Um, I was able to laugh with people. I was able just to do homework, learn something. I was able to sit down with someone and just talk about academics, which I didn't like really think it was a normal thing to do. Um, being able to like have friends at school. I like that. Like when teachers really take their time, teachers are professors who take their time to create a whole curriculum and they get so excited. They're like, I have an agenda today. And I was like, whoa, like, look at this person, like so excited just to teach us like, dang, I like this. How can, how can I be excited just to sit down and learn? Let's do that instead. So I found that very motivational and astonishing to see a teacher just light up and be like, I'm so excited to teach you about like colonization, the history that happened to us back in, the 19th century I was like all right like you know rep it up teach us up um, so that was my motivation that's cool I think that that's super super organic and feasible for anyone to do it just takes like somewhat of a skewed mindset to do that um, and I know you mentioned a little bit more about like grants scholarships can you talk a little bit more about how that aided you in being in the place where you are today yeah so when I attended um, Santa Monica College, they had this really cool website where you submit one application and your information gets sent to all these other scholarships they have allocated to um, 
what is it, endowments on campus. So it was like the their own circle. There's a whole association of scholarships Santa Monica College had. Uh, one application was able, like whatever you kind of like check mark off or whatever you were eligible, uh, you were able to get those scholarships granted to you. Right. Uh, and that was how I got like some pretty big scholarships. The scholarships that were able to pay for my books and everything, I was able to tap into um, programs on campus. So I, I joined EOPS, which is called the Education Opportunity Program um, or Success Program. And that program, basically, if you're first gen, you're um, a low income student, or you know you can't meet the financial um, needs, um, if your family makes an what is it? Their family contribution is like zero, zero, zero on uh, financial aid. You'll most likely get, you know, financial support, which is paying for your books, school supplies, anything like that. Um, another program I joined was the Adelante and Black Allegiance program, which is like, um, I kind of just want to translate as like the Black Student Union or the Latino Student Union we had, but it was a program assembled to like um, spread social awareness, advocacy within black and brown communities and really emphasize on the um, educational support black and brown students need on campus. Right. And through them, I was able to get access to, to financial support. What advice would you give to a student who's looking for those types of opportunities? And maybe in my perspective, I've seen students just back off because they think that they can't get it. What, like, what would you tell them? So really, one thing I enjoy telling people the most, don't let someone tell you no. Um, so if you can't get the you can't get the scholarship, you know, there's other ways you can definitely like access resources. Like, so resource and social networking, those are some like two big things I started learning throughout like my academic journey. Um, you know, don't think of resources only as money. Um, resources could also be a way of networking with people and they can find you a job opportunity, networking at just meeting a group of students who can help you out with like, you know, book exchange or like using a calculator when a TI-84 costs so much money. Um, it's just accessing resources. So please, folks, do not get discouraged if you get involved in the program and you can't get that scholarship or grant, act, like, you know, um, given to you. It also is like a, a need base. So what if there was someone out there who needed more than you, or there's someone out there who just, you know, wrote a whole letter because there's X, Y, Z happened in their personal life. You know, please don't let one little thing discourage you from not being involved with a group of, you know, people who are just trying to help out. Um, and that's, that's for sure I wanna tell people like, don't get discouraged. Like if someone tells you no, just, be persistent, look somewhere else, look in the same group too, or look around and find something that tells you yes. Right. I, I like what you explained, um, resources <clears throat> and networking, because I think that once you find networking, you find more resources, more resources equals more networking. So it's kind of like a circle. Mm -hmm. uh, that That's just like a really good, cool topic that I know I'm going to take for my own life. Um, and then before we move on to what you did during UCLA that you wanted to talk about, <clears throat> can you talk a little bit more about like, being away from your family when you were in um, Santa Monica and like what, you know, what thoughts were you were going through and maybe like people that helped you through that time? Um, so yeah, so my second year at Santa Monica College, I lived 
in this shelter called Bruin Shelter. It's a group of undergrad students that run, undergrad and grad students that run um, the shelter voluntarily, um, but it's also ran by a nonprofit called Students for Students. And uh, I get that question asked a lot when people ask me like, how did I feel um, living without my family? Um, and one thing I'd always like repeat and I always tell people is that I felt like I abandoned them. I left them over my education, but I, it's something that I really, really wanted. And I, I'd had conversations with my family members, um, both of my parents and my siblings, and it was hard. Definitely it was hard. And my mom was scared. And, you know, coming from a Latino household, you can never leave like the girl on her own or like the female or woman to live on her own. It's such a huge thing when like the girl is the first one to step out of the family. Um, so I decided to do that and I was kind of like, you know, let's break these gender norms, um, who kind of defines these lines, but I definitely want to be mindful and respectful from where they're coming from because it's a different, um, you know, um, lifestyle from where they grew up, from where I'm growing up. So I really want to respect their, um, their opinions too. Uh, and, you know, I definitely got homesick even though we didn't have a home, um, it was just that feeling, being able to reconnect with them and hang out with them. But I was super grateful from the people I was able to hang out with because we definitely shared similar stories. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I, I think that obviously that's a question that comes along with people's mind, but I think it, it, it showcases a little bit more about the personality that you have and the motivation and kind of passion you have to keep on moving forward. And I hope people take that from like that little piece of, of, of this episode is that like if you really want something like you can do what you need to do whatever it needs to take to accomplish that and moving on to UCLA can you talk a little bit more about the program that you're involved in yeah so my first year at UCLA people hyped up Unicamp which is something I forgot to mention but Unicamp is somewhere where you get to fundraise money um, through the whole academic year to take a child to go camping with you for a whole week and that's something so fun to always do like um i got to fundraise you do like a minimum fundraiser but i was super happy that like you know i was able to kill time and just be like you know let me fundraise more um with those monies being allocated you could take more kids to go camping with you um i got involved with unicamp my first year because a friend like pledged me and they were like hey you know i think you'd be hyped up to do this and i was like yeah you know what let's try this out uh, i'm just down with it um so there's different sessions um each session has a focus group one session focused on foster youth, um, another session focused on um, science camp, or there's um, a camp that focuses on mental health, one of them on like college and career, like higher education. Um, and the camp I focused on was on African-American or black students um, through an Emoja program. So it's educating not only the students, like the youth, who identify as black and African-American about their history, but also educates like the campers or the camp counselors about, you know, where are these kids coming from? What's their history? Let's also acknowledge the black community and African-American community. Um, that was my first year. My second year, I got involved with Underground Scholars Initiative, which is a student organization, um, first chapter that started at Berkeley and kind of like spread it out at different campuses that, you know, create a safe space and social awareness for folks who identify themselves as formerly incarcerated and system impacted 
accessing higher education. What are some of the key takeaways that people can learn from this program that you can talk a little bit more about here? Yeah, so the Underground Scholars Initiative um, was a student org back in 2016, 2017 um, at UCLA campus. Later in fall 2019, it became an official program on campus. So the university acknowledged that this is um, an issue of students um, that need um, um, financial support or, or emotional support, like just general support um, the university can offer. And what I got from it was, um, well, I only think of my brother when in this situation because he's formerly incarcerated. I've met many formerly incarcerated individuals on this campus. Um, they've been locked up for 13 years, 10 years, five years, and they went through community college route. They transferred to UCLA. Now they're earning their bachelor's, they're getting their career set. And it's crazy, like, um, it's crazy. And I say this because you don't get to hear this story a lot. So that's why I really wanna like emphasize and what I got from it is that um, there's no timeline. There's no such thing as timelines. Like, don't let someone tell you like, you have four years to complete this. You have two years to complete that. Um, no, man, you're doing your life. You're the one living it. So you should set up your own timelines. And I met really amazing people who I definitely will call family. Before I move on, um, do you think that I've missed or you want to talk a little bit more about any part of your journey that would be beneficial to talk about? Yeah, I think I just kind of, if it's okay um, to kind of emphasize about like what the student org is about. So like the Underground Scholars Initiative or what we call USI, um, it's hard for folks to understand what incarcerated or system impacted is. So I think those two words I really want to emphasize like um, incarceration can fall into like a lot of categories, whether um, someone has been in the juvenile system, someone who's been in detainment centers, someone who's been in prison, county jail, um, any of those, or even encampment, that's incarceration. It falls into like a huge spectrum. Um, system impacted is someone who's been affected by mass incarceration um, by a loved one or a friend or a close individual. Uh, I identify myself as system impacted for having a loved one um, who is currently um, in prison. So there are students who, um, who might not completely understand like the two definitions. And it's something I really wanna emphasize because um, I didn't really know what system impacted meant until I started sitting in the student org and someone told me like, yeah, your system impacted. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Like, I don't understand. So we get thrown around all these different labels and it can get very overwhelming when um, you don't pace yourself when you try to understand your self-identity. Uh, I didn't know that. So, I mean, thank you for sharing that with me. And I think it puts a little bit more into, you know, learning new things allows you to gain a little bit more of new perspectives. Um, so once again, thank you. And now moving on, I, I want to talk a little bit more about if you were to do this whole thing over again, what, like, what would you do differently? Would you do anything differently? Um, damn, that's a scary question to ask. <laughs> if I were to do this all over again, what would I do? I had no control of my life. Like I couldn't control being homeless. I couldn't control who gets locked up around me. I couldn't control where I live or where I sleep. Um, I don't think I would change anything because it made me who I am. 
Um, I think I'm super emotional, sympathetic, but also like resilient when it comes to this situation. Um, and I will definitely keep my story because I can tell other people who have no control of things that happen around their life that, you know, there's some sort of hope. I think if I were to go back though, like I'll probably get another degree, <laughs> push myself a little bit more, but no. Um, I think if I were to go back and tell myself as a kid, like, like I would tell myself like, hey, dude, like just wait 10 years, just be patient, wait 10 more years. Like your life is gonna get so much better. Like I wish someone told me that as a kid, like, hey, your life is gonna get better soon, don't worry. So that's what I, you know, I tell people, but I'm like, you got to work hard for your life to get better too. Because <laughs> um, you also don't want to leave them hanging. So yeah. uh, I was actually going to ask you that. Like if you were going to tell something to yourself in the past, what would you tell yourself? And I like that answer is like be patient and work hard. Um, I hear that's like a reoccurring theme um, that I've heard from my guests. It's like, if you work hard and you keep on working hard, like you're going to get somewhere. Um, right. And it, let's, let's say someone came up to you and told you that you're special and that you're one of a kind. What would you tell them? Damn, thanks, man. You're special too for saying that. What if someone put you out there to tell me that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I wouldn't know. Like, I would just probably like thank them and say like, you know, for what you're doing is also special um, because I think we as individuals forget to kind of like give ourselves a pat on the back or also give other people a pat on the back and be like, you know, you also got this, you did this on your own. Or what is that community support? That's what it is. Like community support is like the hugest thing. Cause that's how you're able to like pick up one another be like, no, nah, you're falling. Let me pick you up, bro. Like you got this. Like, Oh, look, I'm tripping. Oh, don't worry. It's okay. We can pick you back up. Right. Knowing it's okay to like fall, pick up, fail. Um, and I also mentioned, like, I started with the 1.0 at SMC, like, like, I had people out there who were just like, nah, it's cool, I've seen worse, and I was like, what, like, is this supposed to reassure me, like, uh, this is so funny, but. Yeah, I, I asked because I think that there's an assumption for, of those who have done something amazing, as you've done, and gone on this, like, journey, that it's assumed that they're automatically special and that the person who is thinking about it can't do it. So I think it's reassuring for someone to hear like the person say, I'm not special. I mean, I'm special, but you're special also. Um, it's like a, a powerful thing that motivates people to say like, like the, the old, old age saying, like, if they can do it, I can do it. Can do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and is there any, Oh, sorry. You were saying oh, sorry. No, that, that's what's so great about having like, femtors and mentors like like we or I can say particularly like I idolize like these two individuals I'm always looking up to them I'm like oh my gosh like I have a mentor and a femtor like I'm just looking up I'm like oh my god they had similar lives like me they look like me like that's so amazing like um and I still have them in the back of my mind because um they're very close to me I'm able to ask some questions hit them up um, but, you know, people have different kinds of, like, mentors and femtors. They can be, like, I look up to, like, this superhero or this individual. But, you know, our superheroes are so close to us, like, and we just don't know it. We forget. So also, like, acknowledging yourself and acknowledging the people around you, um, I think that helps a lot. We don't need someone who's 
sitting into this higher up position. We can just also have people around us who are doing grassroots works. Um, I think I find that very powerful. Can you explain what a femtor is? Oh yeah. So it's just um, a mentor, like the word men is in the, like the mentor, like someone who, it's basically a female mentor right. um, or a woman of mentor, but it's also just kind of elevating like uh, a woman's perspective by ex like getting rid of the men in the mentor and putting femme in it. Um, might not be like the exact way. I'm pretty sure people are gonna be like, no, I think there's a different way to say that, but that's from my understanding. But you know, I can always learn something new if someone tells me, hey, yeah. you know, what I think. I'm like, oh, for sure, okay. Yeah, I mean, I just learned something new. I didn't know that that was a thing. So now I'm gonna use that because I agree, like everyone has a different perspective that should be, you know, cherished and um, looked up to. Um, and so now I kind of want to give you this opportunity to just kind of like maybe thank people. Um, and I know that there's so many people on your journey that you have to thank. Let me start popping up my list. Hold up. No, I'm like, <laughs> no there's a, a lot of people I want to thank. Um, for sure, I'm very thankful for my family, for the emotional support and the hard labor they always put into um, that, you know, they didn't abandon me. Like, I was able to have the opportunity to be around them. I definitely want to, as I mentioned, two orgs, Kid City and um, Hope Place and the YMCA Ketchum or Ketchum YMCA. Um, my two, well, my mentor and my femtor is like Laura Kular and Sergio Ortiz. They're amazing people. Um, and the person who was able to create my home, uh, the Bruin Shelter is Lewis. I appreciate him. And lastly, the Underground Scholars Initiative, where I was able to identify um, understand a whole different side of my identity that I am slowly still discovering and able to support my brother who was incarcerated emotionally. So those are the people who I always want to elevate for sure. Um, all these people I bump into. Yeah. To, to end off, is there anything you want to say for those who are listening to your story today? Man, you do you, fools. No, <laughs> Uh, so, so for folks who are listening right now, I really want to tell you, like, you know, your life, your choice, your timeline, your time frame. Um, please don't let someone, I mean, consent, right? Consent's the biggest thing. But um, when someone is creating a barrier for you not to access these resources and is telling you no and doesn't give you any hope, why would you want to put yourself in that kind of environment? Like, you got to rethink and reevaluate re re that. Um, find someone who can motivate you and for sure be open to constructive criticism. Like um, there are people who really want to teach, teach you and really are there to like, um, for you to learn something new. Mm -hmm. And one thing I like to tell myself at the end of the day or at the beginning of the morning, like, oh, I learned something new today. Like, all right. Like even after this podcast, I learned something new. I learned something new about Juan the work he's putting into. So um, be as optimistic as possible. I know you might find that person annoying, but <laughs> you have to have someone like that around you. Definitely build community support, please. Cool. Uh, well, thank you for coming on to this podcast. I, I really, really do appreciate it. And I think that your story, I know that your story is going to affect so many different people. Yeah, for sure, Juan. Always appreciate this. And I'm really glad I met you through LinkedIn. <laughs> Thank you for joining us and hearing this truly inspiring story. 
Feel free to follow us at First View Podcast on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to get previews of our weekly episodes as well as other content that you might like. So I'm going to be real with you. I didn't think starting a podcast was going to be this difficult. So if you're interested in joining our team, being a podcast guest, or simply giving us feedback and comments so that we can improve in the future, you could DM us or click the link in our bio to learn more. Once again, this is Juan Perez and you're listening to the First View Podcast. I hope you have a great day and come back next week for more amazing POC stories.